I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. It's a two-man show tonight. Uh, we are missing Jason, unfortunately, due to scheduling uh, issues. But Brad, we are here as ever. Um, both of us, both of us, slightly under the weather, mate. I think um, yes. thro- throat infections, coughs, and God knows what else. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's January for you. That's, yeah, it's that time of the year, and uh, yeah, apologies in advance if there are a few coughs here and there. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think. I could probably pay more money to an editor and get and get them cut out, or I could just let everyone listen to them. And I'm just going to let everyone listen to them for now. Um, look, it it it's tough. I mean, you do these every single week, and you, you know it, it catches up with you. Um, and it does. ultimately, we're here. We're going to give you our picks for the Razel Kaima Championship and Pebble Beach. Um, let's have a little bit of a recap on on last week, I guess. Two pretty yeah. important events. Um, one thing I would say, and I'm definitely swinging the other way with things we live at the moment in terms of like I'm not so supportive of certain players and, and things like that. And mm. but the leaderboard last week at Dubai kind of puts to bed any of this. Oh, they're just retiring and not very good at golf anymore. Like really push Rory doesn't it just? Um, Poulter, Richard Bland, Stenson, all inside the top ten. It's not. Yep. It's not a good look for people to say they can't play golf anymore. Um, it, mm. I, I would say the, the the DP World Tour wins if they let them play. Yeah, no, I think it does. But also, I just feel as though, like, I feel all the controversy that surrounds everything with live at the moment. It gives them that extra motivation to prove that they've yeah. still got it as well, you know. And I feel, especially with Reed last week, you hold that whole silly tea incident, <laughs> yeah. like, mounting out of a molehill much, um, but it seemed to bring them both like to to life. Uh, with all the media coverage and social media coverage that it got and uh, I think it brought the best out in both of them you know? I, so. really, I really wish there wasn't that controversy of that tree and where his ball landed because yeah. otherwise I was really impressed with him last week um, if you read his iMessage statement it says something along the lines of like the shot link volunteers basically found the ball and he just told them what their markings mm-hmm. were or something so whatever I mean look ultimately as a, as a golfer only Patrick Reed is good for the game. Um, yes. As a personality, somewhat different. But last he's week, just a winner, isn't he? He just yeah. he'll do anything to win, and uh, but he, he's a cheat, and uh, he's been found out on numerous occasions. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, if we we don't want to catch a, a, a lawsuit from uh, Patrick Reed, so um, we we won't say too much. Luckily, he doesn't need to listen no. to Lost Words podcast, but. No, um, that, that shot on the par five that he hit, though, was unbelievable. It was like a three or a five, but it was absolutely fantastic. Nothing away from him. He was class, though. Yeah. He was. He pushed Rory all the way. Rory. Um, I, was, I, was, I was hoping, yeah, no, Rory should have done better, with, obviously, with the lead, but he'd done enough in the end, and that putt was clutch. Mate, uh, I, I, was, I was hoping he'd miss it. I yeah. I, I did. I wanted to see a playoff, and yeah. I think it deserved a playoff because of that shot on the tee shot on 18. Um, yeah, got very sure. fortunate, didn't he? And yeah. it's just weird with Rory. Like he done that exact same thing last year. He done it, I think, the round before even. He, he put it straight in the water again. So it's mm. it, it's a weird tee shot for him. And but ultimately, he made four birdies on the back nine. Um, had the lead already and got the job done. He certainly did. Yeah. Over in Sorry Pines, Max Homer again. Obviously, winner for the old uh, podcast. Yes, um, great, great to see. Um, mm-hmm. very well picked out I, I remember the conversation was I didn't really have anything negative to say about it, more a case of like I think you have to make a choice at that price range and you did and stuck with him yeah no like as I said at the time I think it's it's time he starts to get respected and that's like that's where he was in the market and just, he he was different class you know like it come to life in the in the final round, um, I didn't give him much of a chance, to yeah. be honest, sitting at that leaderboard. And uh, yeah, geez, he was he was awesome. And uh, now, can he translate it to the bigger events? Is the big question. You know, that is the big question on everyone's lips because he doesn't show up in the majors as of yet. But he's got the game. Like we can all see that where he's won in the past. So I'm just hoping to see that in um, in the coming months. I was thinking about this kind of not not done it in the majors type thing earlier and. 
mainly because we were talking about Danny Willett on the um, DraftKings podcast, and Willett's had a win at the Masters, obviously, and two top yeah. six at the Open, and then basically nothing else. And mm-hmm. that kind of shows, like, there was never really a question. I mean, people didn't think Willett was going to win the Masters, and he had to, you know, a bit of a spleef collapse to do it. But if he can do it, there's no reason why Homer can't do it. There's, there's, there's plenty of cases of people like that. Like, Keegan Bradley hasn't done an awful lot in majors since the PGA win, Duffner, etc. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't go back and just say, oh, they were never built for the majors. They were just playing well at the time, took advantage, and won the major championship that best suits them. There's obviously mm-hmm. a lot of talk about Homer at the US Open because it's LA Country Club. I don't know what LA Country Club requires, and I won't know until slightly nearer the time when it really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't take the prices about him at the moment, but I was thinking about, like, the mar- like, wouldn't you rather bet him at the Masters, which is much closer to this current form that he's showing? Yeah, no, hundred percent. But I mean, he's got all the way where he's showing up. You, you would say that he's a great fit for the Masters. Well, like Riviera is like perfect, isn't it for the yeah, Masters? That's it, yeah, and perfect. and he's forty to one, fifty to one in the place for the Masters. And you're you're sort of being asked to take thirty-three to one about the U.S. Open when he could have. Yeah, you know, I doubt, I I doubt just, it. But, isn't it? It's the, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the California thing, hole. and it and it makes sense. Like I, I don't actually advocate for him winning the Masters. I don't think he will. I don't think necessarily is his best fit. But I just think that there's always this danger of looking too far ahead. Oh, that's the best major for him. Um, I've been doing it with Day because of the PGA Championship. It's the only one he's in, so it's the only one that I could kind yep. of put him forward for. So. Um, home is going to be in all of them. So in- interesting one. I do, I do think he needs to step up. But I also think it's one of those like things where if he doesn't, is it really a big deal? Like he'll just do it in five years' time. Yeah, no, I get that. I think it's because he's just shown now, like he's got all the attributes. You know what we'd normally see in a, a major contender. So it just be, it just feels as though it's his time to step up. It's, just, it's wary, yeah, means, isn't it? It's the it's the Quail Hollows, the Tory Pines, the Rivieras. It's like you. They are they are the the courses you look at when you're trying to find like a major winner. You know the players that show up on them, on them tests. So and I actually quite like the fact that he kind of wins those four nets as well. It kind of shows that he can when he's the better player in the field, take advantage yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously got a bit lucky with the the one with Danny Willett this year, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think he's a great player. And I, I tweeted that earlier in the week. Like the best thing that could have happened for. PJ Tour is that he's now this really good winner because before when he was this really great personality he wasn't really backing it up like he was just the fun guy on Twitter and he was fun good Twitter, and capable yeah. wasn't he and mm-hmm. now now he's like one of the better players on tour it's mm-hmm. actually a really good thing for their product so um, lots of good That's stuff great. there yep. let's go into Raz uh, Raz Al Khaimah Championship. We were here last year, back to back events. Had the Raz Al Khaimah Championship and the Raz Al Khaimah Classic. Uh, mm-hmm. Slightly different setups, weren't they? But nothing too major, I don't remember. No, it weren't too much in it, to be fair. Yeah, still massive, like off the tee. Yeah. Is uh, where you want to go? Did you, because Sky definitely did, uh, when I was showing, did, did you kind of go with the hit it far and, and that's it type model? Or do uh, you think. Kind of. I also looked at also um, have they shown up or even had experience playing in because um, in the this part of the world in the Middle East. You know? Yeah. Um, I suppose if you could couple that, um, and obviously if you can find any course form at all. Obviously, there's they played this in the Challenge Tour. Um, so these players that have been promoted recently or have um, like or have got through Q School, there might be some form back in the day to show that they've played in these type of events. Um, so yeah, just little things like that you can look at. Um, but yeah, I definitely think um, we've, this course definitely favours the bigger hitters. Um, it's one probably more so than any other of the courses we'll see on the DP World Tour. So you only have to look at Fox and Nikolai really to to show you that. But um, so it's likely we'll see another big hitter win. Obviously, not always the case. Yeah. But you know, I think um, it is going to be that way. I think it's one of those ones where. I think I kind of said this about Tory Pines last week. I don't think you have to be a bomber. It just makes it so much easier because I think that you can bomb it down there and still make a score. Whereas if you're mm. slightly short, so you do have to play that a little bit better and not to take anything away from Nikolai last year. He's brilliant. But like, he could afford to just have a couple of bad holes and just yeah. make something of it. 
I think there's a few reachable par fours as well, and I think only a certain few can reach like two or three of them. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, so that that is also a massive advantage, of course. Absolutely. Uh, the Let's have a look then at the, at the betting. So Brasmus Hoygaard is now coming as favourite, sixteen to one with Ryan Fox. Victor Perez is eighteen to one. Adrian Ronk eighteen to one. Nikolai Hoygaard is now eighteen to one. Uh, Adrian Aus twenty eight to one. Callum Shinkwin thirties. So, I started my card with Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, mm-hmm. He was twenty two to one when I tipped him. Uh, he's now eighteens because he's been put up again, which is absolutely fine. Uh, I expected kind of 18s anyway, so 22s was a result for me. I think we, as we keep talking about it, Rasmus and Nikolai are much closer together now, and they're being priced in the same way. Yep. And I always speak about Nikolai in the sense that I don't want to back him at these prices. I think I said it probably even as recent as last week or the week before. Like I don't want to back him at short prices because he's so volatile. He's just as likely to win at 100 as one as he is 20. But... I think he's the type that's going to go back to back at one of the courses he's won at, and this one makes the most sense. Like he, mm-hmm. him, him, and this kind of the two Hoy guards, Fox, Perez, Moronk, probably a class above most. I would, I would say that Olison's in there. I'd say Atayi's in there, but generally speaking, they're the, the very best of this field. Um, yeah. I think there's a, a big gap, which the price does suggest a little bit. Um, was there one that you were really tempted with at the top? Um, Fox opened up at 20s, and yeah. I did have a good, strong look at that. Also, Nikolai as well, of course, just the way he dominated last time here. But I think, if I remember rightly, I got put off by his approach numbers. He hit his irons the um, the worst he, he's hit them in ages. Since uh, the Austrian PGA Championship, I think he's 68th. Yeah, I have to have a look now. So I think that's yeah. the only thing that put me off. Um Obviously, he can rip it, but it still has to uh, hit greens to a certain degree. So um, that's the only thing that put me off with Nikolai. But obviously, he can, as we've seen with him, he can have good weeks and bad weeks and just recover very easily. So um, yeah, that's not too big of an issue. It's, it's, one, it's one way you don't want to discount it because strokes gain approach is so important. Um, but just with him, I think he's so hard for him to gain strokes and approach because he hits it so far. He's, he's expected mm. to hit it, you know, like for him to gain strokes and approach is actually harder than others because of what, where he should put it every single time because of how much closer to hold he is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think he's almost penalised in that respect. But even then, he was he was 62nd in tee to green as well. So all encompassing, his ball striking wasn't great last week. I know he made an eight on the last hole on the par five on the last yeah. day, which, yeah. you know, it just is what it is. No, and I don't care, really. It's one of those ones no. where I don't really have too much to say about it it's just very much yeah, he completely destroyed it last play. year it's his perfect yeah. event he is still playing well um if he doesn't do it this week fine i'll just be off of him until he goes out to a bigger price game 100 percent, yeah don't mind that um jason has gone with victor prez at 18 to 1 he's also going with callum shinkwin at 30 to 1 he is now uh shinkwin shinkwin makes a ton of sense right he's Shinkwin makes a load of yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's come in a lot. He was opened at forties, yeah. Um, but yeah, also really like Shinkwin this week. And Victor Perez was in contention. Like, I mean, he was up there for the most part last week. I think he um, going into. I think he had a bad final round, um, if I remember right. Yeah, it, um, was, I don't and, know if it wasn't necessarily bad. Was it? Was it just like he just never really got going? Was the, the time? No, but he was he was up there again. I was like, Christ, he's going to go back to back. Um, yeah. I wouldn't put it past him, you know. Um, but at the same time, he, he didn't obviously, but. He's playing some really good golf at the moment, and he warrants the price. You know, eighteen to one. Like he's in this field, could quite easily win. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you say, he was fourth going into the final round. Shot final round seventy-five, so it was actually uh, a pretty mm. poor round. It wasn't a case of not getting going. But my next pick was Theobjorn Olsson, and it's a little bit, I guess, the opposite of of counter. Trying to think of the word. We were on him last week, weren't we? We were on him last week, and he didn't quite get going, did he? We had a poor around the green and on the green game, but he was actually first in strokes gain approach. And in kind of dismissing a little bit of what I've said about Hoygaard, I think people are forgetting that Olsson was Danish golf until these two came along, and I don't think that much has really changed either. I know, obviously, he had his off-field issues, and he, he was missing from the tour for a while, but over the last six 
to ten months or whatever it's been since he won at uh, the British Masters, he's been kind of back to himself. I know he's he's not been as consistent, but he's certainly mm-hmm. having those spike weeks. And you know when he's leading the field and approach the week before, and and only finishing sixteenth, I think there's a huge scope for improvement. Did miss a cut uh, at these events last year, but again he was kind of knocking out some rust. I just think mm-hmm. was he like a six-time winner on the DP World Tour? Could have been, yeah, could have been eight-time. I think he's lost a couple of playoffs as well. Um, top six of the Masters in his first ever appearance. I just think people have forgotten about him because he's been out of sight, out of mind. And Danish golf has mm-hmm. moved on without him, and there's there's no denying that. Like the other two are, are great, and they're already halfway to his career, I guess. But just just looking at the fact, you know, he beat Chris Wood when Chris Wood was a good player. He beat Victor De Wisson when De Wisson was a good player. He beat Brooks Kepka at Dunhill Links. He beat Hao Tong Lee and David Horsey in Turkey. Francesco Molinari in his backyard in the Italian Open. And then he won that British Masters, obviously, by one stroke this year. It, to me, or oh, last year, sorry. To me, it's just almost overlooked, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's played. He's, as you said, he's back. Look, it's not like he's back playing at his best. And, um, he he was good last week. He was good again. Like the, the reason why I backed him was about how good he was at the Urban Dabba Championship, how well he's come off a break. And he played but again last week. I thought after that uh, second round of 67, he was going to, you know, push on, have a good moving day. Uh, I think it was about 15th at the time. Yeah. Um, um, but he, he didn't push on. I think he had um, a bad round in the third round, slipped away. But look, he's, he's playing really well right now and I, I wouldn't surprise me to see him up. He's one, of the, he's one of them class acts in this field that we were saying earlier, we're like calling out names in in the field and he, he is one of them class acts who yeah, could win. I think you've got him, Harrington, probably Migliozzi and Coetzee in this kind of range that if they win any event, you're not really that surprised. Larafa Bauer is another one, I guess, mm-hmm. that just has that class to go back and win. And he's just a one. Like the, the one that that's you know is around the green and on the greens can change so quickly especially in you know these different middle eastern events so uh willing to, to go again with Ollison and you know again mm-hmm. like i was just said about nikolai if it doesn't happen for the next couple of weeks i'll just be back on him again later on down the line when he's a bigger price i think he's someone to keep a track of all season long um, yes first pick for you mate remain lane gask yes lane gask he's not someone i usually back a lot and i know he disappoints yeah, he, he he disappoints he disappoints a lot of people, but um, yeah, I struggle as I said earlier. I struggle to set on on anyone at the top of the market. Um, so I started my card in the mid range um, with Langask, and uh, yeah, he started off this last week at the Dubai Desert Classic, and uh, he actually should have played the Abu Dhabi Championship. I think he missed. Uh, registration i remember seeing on his social media and he, he was absolutely gutted he wasn't best pleased um but yeah he he played really well last week he pretty steady across the board gained strokes on each um, metric not really excelling in any particular category and uh, finished 16th um so yep good start to the year and uh, we know with langask like he is a very strong driver of the ball <laughs> regularly one of the biggest hitters on tour um so to see him doing well in those challenge tour days, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but obviously what did surprise me was when he missed the cut here both times uh, last year. Um, so there was some encouragement. There was a round of 66 and a 69 each time. So there's, there's a poor round um, amongst one good round that sort of let him down. Yeah. Um, he, on paper, he, he just makes um, quite a bit of sense to me. Uh, I think he can sort of build on last week's performance even though he does show up um in the divide as a classic it's the only thing that does slightly concern me he does show up in that event every year yeah um, but the missed cuts last year i feel bump up his price a little bit as probably do with ollison um and a slight concern would be um i don't know if he can keep up with the low scoring you know we know what he's got a low round in him but a lot of the time he can struggle to back that up i mean he shot 11 under tied the the old course was it St Andrew's record, um, so he can go seriously low. That's not the issue. I think it's just over. It could get away from him this week. That's the only fear. But there is a, it's too much for me to like at the price. I think at forty to fifty to one, he's he's worth a stab given how strong he is off the tee. I think I think the thing is like any pretty much anyone in this range. I think you can make a case for. I, I think especially in in this kind of field, anyone from thirty five down to. I say I would say fifty. If you said to me I'm going to bat them, I'd be like, all right, fair enough. Like, 
I think Valamaki is a little bit short compared to what he has been. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, even to the point where Richard Mansell's ball striking has been absolutely incredible and just had poor finishes, he's going to yeah. come and play well at some point. Why not in one of these big, wide-open, you know, driving type of events? I can't back him at 33-1 to one when Olison's yeah. the same price and you mentioned Langask and we're going to go into a couple more. But, like, I, I, w- I would understand it if someone said it. So it's, it's a bit of a rare range of players where I go, do you know what? Fair enough. Like, if, if you mm-hmm. like them, you like them. Um, I know that's kind of sitting on the fence a little bit, but it's tough to settle on um, on the. As you said, you could you could pick a few there and make a good case. So um, yeah, it's, uh, made it a bit interesting this week. Absolutely. The next couple I've gone for, uh, I'll come with Johannes Veerman first. He's coming in a little bit. Uh, he was eighty to one to open, which is is where I picked him, and he's coming to kind of sixty six to one sixty. He was eighth at the Dividers at Classic last week, and he's kind of priced like he's got no chance this week. He's coming back to a golf course and the event itself he played in, where he finished 12th last year. He was fifth going into Sunday. I just, I think we've kind of forgotten that everyone was well in on Johannes Veerman, like for a year and a half, and he finally got that win. Had that Xmas break where didn't play very well just before he missed the cut at the Houston Open, but he was 11th in Mallorca just before that anyway. 11th in strokes going approach last week. I think he's just being overlooked a little bit, Veerman. I think people have seemed, think seems so. to be just got like bored of him, maybe. I don't know. Like he's, he's... I've overlooked him having a look at him now, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> it's just one of those ones, though. Like, I think people, there's always a new one coming along, right? Like He was he was like, it was him and Crocker last year. Oh, yeah. and then... He was the heart at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Like, like They come along, and then it's the it's Moronks, and it's the Hoyguards, and it's everyone kind of has their turn in this range. Um and Veerman, I think, just slid under the radar a bit. So 60 to 1, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Next up, Connor Syme just seems to be playing. Um, I never know if it's Syme or Seam. But anyway, he, he, he's he been playing some good stuff again. He was 27th and 6th in these events last year. He's made seven cuts in a row now. Bearing in mind, like, he had a bit of poor form. I actually think I referenced it as he'd been away for a while, but that was actually Callum Hill. But he, he's been... Not himself for a little while, Connor seems. So the fact he's made seven cuts in a row I thought was pretty encouraging. He's now finished 28th last week, but he was 11th going into Sunday. He was fourth after the first six holes in Abu Dhabi and finished 38th as well. So he's been there for two or three rounds every week this year. And I just think, well, just the last fortnight really, but the last fortnight he's been there or thereabouts for at least two or three rounds. And that's an encouraging sign for him. He's only been kind of top 25, top 28 in approach and tee to green. But... That suggests there's a little bit of scope of improvement as well. We know he's good tee to green when he's at his best. Um, mm-hmm. So that there seems to be plenty to come. And I think looking at who he's priced around, um, I don't really trust Scott Jameson as much as I love to try and bet on him. Uh, Zanotti hasn't got a great record here. Ewan Ferguson, we think, is overpriced every week and then he doesn't do anything. Um, Dan Bradbury's got to pick himself up after a tough like final round. Yeah, yeah. It, You know, it's... Which, by the way, he was actually incredible that he was in that final round and in that final group. I love watching Yeah, he's, he's a great player and one to definitely yeah. keep an eye on. And I said to Sky, because Sky's back to him again this week, I said, it's going to be really interesting now is how he positions himself in these events, Bradbury, because if he can kind of start stockpiling some results in these ones, then he's got, yeah. he'll build the confidence. Like He almost like had that win then really nothing goes and plays in the Rolex Series events paired with Rory. It's, it's quite hard, isn't it? Whereas if you start contending in the, these and Singapore and whatever, mm-hmm. France, and then get yourself in that position again, I think things change for him. So uh, only newly good. turned professional, really. I think he's got a good future. Oh, it's a whirlwind. I remember backing him in the, um, the, D, oh no, the TP Tour and the Cup Tour, <laughs> you know, when he was just trying to get some professional, um, you know, minutes under his belt, you know. Yeah. Um, during the COVID times, and it's it's unbelievable to see him come on, get his card that way. It was just brilliant. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of others like in this range that I thought were interesting. I thought Hurley Long was okay. I thought Yannick Paul was okay. Callum Hill has actually impressed since he's come back. Uh, couldn't quite pull the trigger on any of them. Jason's mm-hmm. gone with Tapio Paulkinen in this range at ninety to one. Who, again, I did think was a decent price. Kazuki yeah. Higa, um, Sky spoke about and kind of looked at as well. Good Matthew plan. Matthew Pavon again. There, there was definitely people around here, but I can never oh, really. Here, yeah, yeah, like I think 
it's one of those ones where if you like someone at 80 to 100 to 1, plug them in this week because Matthew Pavon I thought was decent. Um, mm-hmm. Jason's gone with Julian Gurrier as well. So th- th- there's certainly players around here. Um, I just couldn't settle on anything. Yeah. Whereas you've got a couple more in these kind of long ranges. Yeah, I've gone big time long range this week. Um, I got a bit out of hand with the long <laughs> range. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my first one is Jiong uh, Wee and Co. Yeah. Uh, so he's another big hitting Frenchman like Langasque, and uh, he currently ranks 11th in driving distance on tour. Um, he finished the year strongly with a fourth place finish in Mauritius. Um, in three of his last four starts, he's ranked in the top six for strokes gained off the tee. So he definitely possesses the attributes um, to rip this course apart. Um, similar to obviously like Fox and uh, Nikolai. He's a player, so I've, I've sort of keep tabs on him since the Alps and Challenge Tour over the years, and uh, he's never been able to grab a win. He's sort of, he's come close a couple of times and he's he's had loads of top tens. Uh, he's had a couple of runners up, uh, but he's only young, uh, so he's got plenty of time to uh, to amend that. But he's, he's, he's one to keep an eye on, similar to like Bradbury, and obviously hasn't achieved what Bradbury has, but. He, he he has always sort of thrived uh, wherever whatever tour he's gone on he he, he conquers it so um I, I definitely want to keep an eye on the season and given his strength off the tee and the way he finished this year um i thought he'd be worth chancing at big odds yeah we spoke about joining one kill a couple of times when we had those random little dms about challenge tour bets that yes. I yeah, all, yeah. always out of the blue i think oh i'll have a bet on that and i never know quite I can't remember who it was last year. It was one of the South Africans. Very streaky. He, was he it, gets he's in a yeah. bit of form. Yeah, no, he, he, does, he is a quite a streaky player. And I think it, like, he's definitely got the talent, hasn't he? Like He's definitely got the ability to step up. Um, so he, he'll be interesting. Nathan Kimsey, I thought now that we're going down into lower grade again, might kind of settle down after mm-hmm. you know maybe struggling a bit more in the, in the stronger fields. Uh, but your final pick, Nick Backham, is someone I've seen a couple of times mentioned. Uh, Sky likes him as well. Yeah, me and Sky have been talking about Backham for a, for a while. L- um, largely down to his driver, I thought. Oh, of course, yeah. On the trend of big hitters, uh, they don't really come much bigger than Nick Backham. Uh, so he's he's currently ranked first in driving distance. Um, he was a really talented amateur, got up to 85 in rankings. And this is what I found interesting was whilst he was still an amateur, he played a lot of golf on the pro golf tour. Uh, where the likes of um, Duden Bruin and Valamaki have progressed from in the past. Yeah. And a lot of these events were desert-type golf courses in Morocco or Egypt, so similar to what we'll see this week. And after struggling initially, probably because he was a bit raw, still very young, um, he grabbed his first win in Morocco while he was still an amateur. And uh, then a, a year later, he won in Egypt. Um, so I just I like the fact that he has a bit of history in this part of the world um, albeit still quite far away from um, Dubai but similar type of tests yeah. golf um, he, he's made the cut uh, two out of three of South African events he played uh, before the end of the year um, albeit he didn't do too well but still making the cuts good um, he managed three top five finishes on the challenge tour last year including a runner-up in Denmark and uh, yeah, he's just a player with bags of potential. Um, he also loves to get off to a hot start. Uh, he has an afternoon tea time, so I'll have to check the weather. I haven't checked it yet, but he might also be worth chancing in the, the first round leader market as well. Interestingly, I thought with Nick Backer when I was looking a bit more into him yesterday because of you know Sky being on him and stuff. Like when you look at the fact that he made those two cuts, he finished 39th and 74. And as you say to your point about fast starts, he opened with 64 at Joburg. I, I don't think they're that bad when you when you consider that South Africa is probably not the type of place for a big hitter to excel. They're normally a bit more technical, aren't they? Those tracks. So yeah. it yeah. feels like to me he hasn't had the chance yet to actually find to actually play a course that suits his skill set. Right. Uh, so yeah. if he suddenly then finishes top five this week, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Just purely because it, it's, it suits his game and. He could probably come top five, top ten here, and then never do anything for the rest of the year. But that's, yeah. you know, that's, it doesn't matter, does it? You're backing him for one week, so if, if you mm-hmm. start backing him off a cliff every week, then we might have to have a discussion if he doesn't turn out to be any good. But yeah, it, I think once you you know you've got the first opportunity, like code, to, to kind of get on them in a in a situation where it suits their, their skill set, and that's what you're doing. Yes. So that's fine, I like yeah. it. 
Um, one final one is that Jason likes Jack Senior as well, 150 to one. So. Oh, I love Jack. Senior. I've had a punt on him on the exchange. I've got to admit because um, he's playing pain free now. Um, so and he admitted that last last week on social media, and that really piqued my interest. He's like, oh, I can't wait till next week. Um, obviously, he's had some good results at this course in the past on the Challenge Tour. So, yeah, a good shout, Jason. I was very close to backing him as well. Well, I have backed him, but just win only. Yeah, he's an interesting senior. He's one of those ones where it looked like he was going to break through last year, didn't, and kind of fell off a cliff. And, yes, it's a bit injury-rated, and, yes, it's probably just a bit of a confidence knock when you don't you play so well yeah. and don't get over the line. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Again, it's one of those events where you, you do just take a chance on some of these guys because... It's, it's the perfect time to do it, I think, is is the way I would look at it. Um, I haven't really got anything in these triple, triple digit reigns I really loved. I did like Sean Norris. I thought he was interesting. Um, do you know, he was actually like fourth going into the final round last week. Who was, sorry? Sean Norris. Oh, Sean Norris. Yeah, yeah Sean yeah, Norris was, was fourth going into the final round last week. Shot 79 and finished 65th. I thought that was ridiculous. Like You just don't see that unless you go on the results no, kind don't. of deep to us, or we go on to tour tips, and then you look at last year and this event. He was he shot three rounds of 68 and a 69. He was ninth after round one, eighth after round mm-hmm. two, and then ninth after both weekend rounds. So he was inside the top nine all week. He then went straight out to the Razzle Climber Classic, open with a 67 to uh, to be 12th after round one, and kind of faded away. But he's an interesting case, Sean Norris. I don't think he's quite good enough to win at this level, and he's not been in the best no. of form. But course wise, he seems to like this one. Yeah, he's an interesting one for sure. And um, going by what he used to do on the Japanese tour, like he he used to bully tracks. Like I yeah. mean, he's obviously not the longest, but he he can get real hot. Like he can go really low um, in the birdie fests. I think he was like top five birdie average um, in I think, like, through 2001, uh, 21. Sorry, 2021. Yeah, where, where he had a good year, uh, if I remember rightly. So yeah, he he is a is a is a tough one to get right. But when you do, he can he can reward you. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely something there with Sean Norris. Uh, everything for that, and then moving on to Pebble Beach. Yep, happy to move on to Pebble Beach. Lovely. So we've got three very clear favourites ahead of the field: Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, and Jordan Spieth, all around ten to twelve to one, uh, depending on which one you want to back. Um, Fitzpatrick is officially the the, um, the mm. favourite, eleven to one best prize bit, Fred. Do you think he deserves that over the other two? Oh, I, don't, I think it's really tough to split the three, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, isn't it? 11, 12, and 12 is well, not really much in it. Yeah, but like, yeah I, I agree. I, I agree with that, to be fair. I think, I think I'd think i probably give it to him over the fact that he's probably the most reliable of the three. Uh, Spieth, mm-hmm. I think, has got the highest upside and probably the highest win equity. His but I think, record here, yeah, yeah as well. I think, I think Fitz is probably the safest, and I don't really know what to do with Hodland, so I've kind of... The way I took this on, so I do this kind of prop article now for Golf Monthly, and... I've kind of taken Matt Fitzpatrick in a top European market. So rather than taking him like a top five or top 10 market where he's odds on or just over and you've got to take on Spieth, like why not take him top European? He was like three to one. And if he beats Hovland, he's got a good chance of winning that. I know there's obviously power and there's Knox and Rose and things like that, but you know, you'd expect Harry Hall. Well, Harry Hall. Yeah. Or Harry Hall. Um, (laughs) There's definitely some other people to uh, take on. I'm sure there's someone I'm missing there, but um you know, it's. I, I think it's a good price to just to back into yeah, European. Definitely. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, they're all 10, 10, 11, 12 to one. Maverick Manili's eighteen to one. Seamus Power twenty two to one with Tom Hoagie twenty two to one as well. Very yeah. um, predictable. Maverick price hurts my eyes a little bit. It does, honest. but I, I mean, think I think it, but... I think he can win. I think he can, but I, I couldn't. I, I was on him. Um, I was on him last week. Yeah, yeah I was on him last yeah. week. I like forty-five, I think. And obviously, it's a completely different field. And he absolutely loves Pebble Beach, but we know that you can see that with his record. And he puts incredibly on power. So you can. Oh, and he and he's so prime for a win now, isn't he? Uh, so you feel as though if it is going to come anywhere, it's got to come in this event. So I can see why some people, if you've been a loyal backer of McNeely, that you would just. You just bet him this week, but I couldn't go there at that point. I'm kind of glad. Like I think last week was potentially the only time I've ever backed McNeely, so mm. I don't have this kind of fatigue of backing him. So if, if I really yeah. did believe he was going to win this event, 18-1 would be fine for me. It's not great. 
Um, but I, I've not been burnt by him. I haven't gone there, and I haven't gone as, as you know anywhere near the top of the market in the end. But uh, I can mm-hmm. certainly see why others would. Jason is on Shamus Power, and so are you. Uh, so yes. I'll let you, in Jason's absence, explain why you're both on him. Mm-hmm. I just think like he ticks like so many boxes. Um, you're almost to the point where you can't. It's impossible to ignore him. Yeah. Um, obviously, he thrives on the short, windy coastal tracks. Uh, won the Bermuda Championship last year at Port Royal. Top five finishes at um, Wiley Country Club, El Camelon, Sea Island, Corrales. Top 10 finish at Harbour Town. Um, and he had a pretty poor record at Pebble Beach up until last year, where he was leading by five shots at the halfway point. Um, after I think he opened up with back to back 64s at Pebble Beach and Spyglass. And then he fell away completely, third round of 75 and a final round of 72. He still finished ninth, but I mean, there is certainly enough there to suggest that this is his cup of tea and he just had a, a bit of um, a moment, you know, where he lost it. Um, we last saw him at the Abu Dhabi Championship where he finished 20th. Um, he hit the ball brilliantly, ranked 20th off the tee, seventh on approach, second tee to green. Just had an awful week with the putter. They nearly ranked dead last. Um, and, you know, as, as with the Ryder Cup approaching, I sort of, I, I play the, I, I do, I do think about this. I thought about it with Mac, uh, McIntyre the other week, even though he didn't show up. Um, but yeah, like, I do feel as though they've got the ambitions to get into the team. You know, we know that both of them do, um, especially power. And it's another um, chance to impress uh, Luke Donald, who's in the field this week playing. So, I think, um, given taking everything to account, he's the best option up the top. I think the, the kind of way it's been explained about power this week is that he's the best value. And whether that means yeah. that you think he's going to win or whatever, he is the best value of the players at the top. Like, is he twice as likely to... Is he less than twice as likely to win than kind of Fitzpatrick and, and, and co? And I get that. Yeah. I completely get the argument. Um I have got a little bit of Seamus power fatigue, so I haven't gone there. Um, just, you know, I have had a couple of bets on him and it hasn't gone my way. But there's not, there is no negatives. Like, there, really, there really isn't. Um, I guess the only one I would say is that maybe the, the chase for the Ryder Cup works against him. We, we do see it. Um, well, yeah. is, is probably the only one. But again, you're guessing someone's mental state. He could be completely relaxed. Oh, it's, it just a, it's just another little speculating thought. It yeah, is. it's nothing. You don't put too much substance in it, but you can't help but just add it to your thoughts well that's the thing but, but like just as easy as like, oh, I could say it's a negative you could say it's positive and that's, that's exactly that's you don't thing, have a, no yeah. one has a bloody scoop no. do unless like, you ask it could bring the absolute best out of him and, and even if you asked him you wouldn't get the right response because no, you'd you ask him he, and you'd go, only say positive things yeah he'd say I'm inspired to get on the really, right his, his ass could be cracking yeah absolutely, absolutely. I mean <laughs> we saw what happened with Perez right and it definitely didn't negatively impact him but it didn't until it didn't until it did mm. like it's you know it's, it's tough isn't it um, I, I definitely don't want to be making too many predictions about it but it, it you know you do want to play well in front of Luke Donald at Pebble Beach um, while you can especially in a weaker field like it's a really good opportunity for him to pick up another win and yes. as much as he does look good on his wins, he he does need to step up a notch. They're not they're not the biggest wins that he's had. Was it the Barbasol and the Bermuda? Barbasol, is it? Bermuda, yeah. Yeah, like they're they're not they're not great, right? And Pebble Beach um, is another slight no. step up. Um, but barring like them three at the top, it's the field. That, I mean, obviously, it is a bit. They're just not winners, are they? Yeah. No. Just, no not, like, I mean, it's it's there. It's there again for him if he yeah. wants it. We saw it again, like with with Hoagie last year. Like he was playing well and was looking like breaking through at some point, and he did here. And it took Jordan Spieth to kind of fuck up a little bit for him to do it. And that could be exactly mm-hmm. what happens with Power. I mean, Hoagie was looking for his first, whereas Power was technically looking for his third. But you know, similar sort of situations. I think. Yeah. You had a couple of veterans here in Kucher and Rose that are going to get mm-hmm. bets on them. To sp- I mean. I couldn't work out Kucha. I, I was surprised. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to bet Kucha, and then I saw him kind yeah. of 35 to 1. I was like, like, I don't get it. Like, You look at his course form, not that great. Look at his current form, okay. He finished seventh. Mm-hmm. He's so very shown up in the past, and that yeah, recent. Like, it yeah, it is perfect for him, but his course form but doesn't suggest that. Yeah, yeah, course form isn't great. Yeah. You'd think, no, but but for someone like Kucha, you'd think this was his favourite course. You, I don't know. Looking at the course form, course form, sorry, you'd definitely feel as though he'd have a. 
um, a better record in the past. But it's, uh, yeah, it's surprising. It's surprising. It is. I do think he's still uh, got a lot of appeal about him this week, and he's he's drawing me in at least. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I I like it. I just can't work out why mm. it's the price. Do you know what I mean? And again, yeah. these events you have to take it and just take the. You know, it's almost a little bit sticker shock. Just put your name like label over the name, and if it's the best person, bet them. But yeah, just I was just surprised by it. even like Rose. I mean, what has Rose really done to be twenty five to one other than being? The class name of the field, like stats wise and form wise, yeah. he's, he's no better than the people that are 50 60s one. So, um, it's definitely an interesting market. With all that said, I've gone with Joel Damon, uh, who has nice. had however many weeks off that he's had, which is obviously a bit of a concern. But he was electric before the Christmas break, uh, I think he was three straight top nine finishes. I think every podcast I've bet him, I definitely bet him in multiple articles. Zozo, I can vividly remember. Maybe at the CJ Cup as well, wherever it was. So, somewhere, a couple of times where he's finished ninth and not really actually contended for the win. That's when I've been on Joel Damon. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's coming this time. Uh, Mike was the other one, wasn't he? He finished third yeah. there. Um, so I'm completely making these up. It's Mike Zozo, and RSM that I was on. But you know, I just he's, he's got that kind of nappy factor thing with. With the baby just arriving, which apparently has done wonders for Max Homer, although Max Homer was definitely in a better position before than Damon is. Um, he just seems to take his game a bit more seriously, and I wonder if that is anything to do with a child coming. Like, as he's ch- he realises he needs to actually buckle down and just be really good at golf for a while. Um, but it definitely showed up. Like We've talked about this before. I'm not going to sort of tread on old ground. But when we looked at his OWGR stuff on the podcast before, it's ridiculous how many good finishes he's had in big events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely think he's overlooked. The massive worry is that he's not match fit because he hasn't played for something yeah. ridiculous like 11 weeks or whatever. But if you're ever going to come back to a tournament with that kind of amount of weeks off, make it Pebble Beach because it's just mm-hmm. a little birdie fest with short golf courses with eight-hour rounds to get yourself warmed up. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the best-case scenario is he gets put out on whatever the easiest one is of the week, Monterey or whatever, goes and takes advantage of it on the first day, kind of five or six birdies, pretty easy going, and then mm-hmm. warms up into Pebble over the weekend. But don't know the tea times, yeah. don't know if that's the case. Um, but yeah, I think he's absolutely fine. Look, it's mm-hmm. a short enough number, but he's playing well enough to deserve it from what we've seen of him recently. Yeah, the way he ended his year, he definitely warrants it. And this is the type of place that you want to back Joel Damon. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just, uh, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me. I really like Damon this week, but I'm just playing the old wait and see. Yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think that's um, fair as well. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think it makes sense. It's just one of those, he's 40 to one in this field. And if he does play how I expect him to, he's going to be, 20 to 1 in the next ship field that he can win in and yeah, yeah. I don't want to miss it so fair, he's, fair. He's, he's got a 6 and a 14th here in the past we know he's going to you know he's capable of playing well here it's just how he comes back from that rust I guess mm-hmm. that's it Alex Smalley for both you and Jason so again in Jason's absence I'll let you tell us why Alex Smalley's good oh, well I do like Alex Smalley a lot this week based, based off the fact that he's got all the form on the sort of coastal tracks that we like, that we sort of look for for this event. Um, but he's just so disappointing to back. You know, he had, I think for me and Jason, I think Jason joked in the group chat, he might call him smelly yeah. uh, if um, if he fouls us again this week. Uh, but I think he is one that is, uh, he's, he's a good performance, like a big performance is on the horizon. He's shown so many glimpses. I think he's just lacked consistency. Um, but yeah, I do feel as though um, Pebble Beach is the sort of place that you want to back him, and um, I'm taking another chance in this week. So yeah, fingers crossed it can go well. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. I still don't know where Smalley plays well, other than the Wyndham. Like, mm-hmm. I think he, he's capable of playing well everywhere. I just don't know before an event starts. Yes, this is an Alex Smalley golf course. I just, yeah. it wasn't it Scotland that he played well in. Scotland, he plays really well abroad. Yeah, um, like play well in Mexico, I think, as well. Mexico, yeah, no, he does. Um, it, it, to me, like, I mean, look, he's what 11th, 4th, and 5th to finish the year, 22nd and 37th the last two weeks. There's nothing, there's nothing to, to point out negatively about him other than he's probably been found out a bit in the market mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, but that's that's fine, it goes by the, the way he's playing. You can't always just go, oh, well, he's not the price you wanted, so I'm not going to bet him anymore because. 
you're not going to get the prices you want. I'd love to have hundreds of one John Rahm, but it's not going to happen. So um, <laughs> sometimes you just have to accept that the prices are the prices and they're there for a reason. Definitely. Taylor Moore was interesting. I didn't get there, but I think he's playing really, really well and could go well mm-hmm. here. I kind of get Moore and Smalley a little bit mixed up. And that's why I was a little bit hesitant yeah. to say that Smalley plays well <laughs> in Scotland because I just think them as the same type of player and they've yeah. kind of got similar trajectories. But um, I've gone with Nick Taylor. So have you. Oh, I love um, Nick Taylor this bit, yeah. I know I, you go into it. Yeah, I just... Obviously, he was like 100 one on the exchange and I got told off for tweeting that out a little bit earlier and I get that. <laughs> but I just... I don't really get, even at the 66 to one that he is now, with eight places, why? Why Why is he that big? Because he's had a 6th, 7th and 19th place finish already this season. He's got a wire-to-wire win here as well as 10th and 14th place finishes. He was 7th at the Sony a couple of starts ago. 6th, I can't remember exactly. It might have been the 4th in it. Um, to me, he just plays these courses well. We know what Nick Taylor is. He's coming back to an event he's already won. If he was playing, like if he was missing four or five cuts this season, then fine. You know, he was consistently missing the cut and hadn't shown any form in 2023. But he's got a seventh two starts ago. And yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a mad price at 66 to 18 places. No, definitely, I agree. And yeah, like as you said, we all know what Nick Taylor is. He has that. He has also form on um, comp course. He's tied 11th um, in Hawaii at the Sony Open. Tied 23rd at Port Royal, Bermuda. Tied 15th and tied 26th finish. El Camelon in Mexico. Just further backs up that this is his type of test. But you don't really need it, given the fact that Pebble Beach is his uh, playground. You know, (laughs) Um, he's just so well here. I've also I've, I've doubled down on um, Nick Taylor in the top Canadian market. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I know it's it's pretty it's pretty short, um, but I just feel as though Pendriff was awful for me last week. His stats were off, and this just isn't a place where you target him. Obviously, his biggest weapon is nullified. Um, and yeah, last week should have been his bread and butter, and he's quite frankly awful. Um, yeah. I think he ranked 54th off the tee, 67th on approach. Um, and then the other two, um, you've got Gligic, who hasn't made a cut since Stanton Farms, um, so I'm not fearing him. But Ben Silverman could be a dark horse. He won um, last week on the Corn Ferry Tour in Bahamas on a sponsored invite. Um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously, I don't know how he's going to play after um, a good result, but he has played Pebble twice before, missed a cut on debut, and then went on to finish tied 46th uh, the following year. So which I see he could be, because uh, I really don't think oh, Pendriff, was, oh, he probably will show up this week because I'm not on <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, he was so disappointing. I don't really like him around here. Um, but um, so I do feel as though it's a, a good bet. I know it's skinny, but um, it's a good price, but I feel like he's only has to beat Pendriff and uh, Ben Silverman. And yeah, about, and Pendriff isn't informed. So bring it, and it is Nick Taylor at um, Pedal Beach. As yeah. we've gone to yeah. uh, bring it on. He was a wire-to-wire winner. He uh, beat Mickelson, Berger, Day, I think, that week. Strelman was the person he directly beat, but he was four shots clear of the whole field. Wire-to-wire victory. Like I just don't... Uh, there's just no negatives to me for Nick Taylor. He, he's going to be very solid, and if he doesn't turn up, it happens. Mm-hmm. We see it. I've, I've been like this about people before, and they just don't turn up. I'll get over it. It's it's not a big deal. In terms of Silverman, I think it's just one of those like winning one of those Bahamas events is so different to coming to yeah. a PJ Tour event and playing well. Um, so uh, not worried about him. Not worried about Gligic and Pendrith. Even if he was in form, it's just it, like you said, it's just the opposite event to what he likes. Yeah. Uh, I did. There's a couple of players now. So I have gone with Russell Knox at. 70 to 1, 66 to 1, which would be much to uh, of Jason's mm-hmm. joy if he was on the podcast. Um, <laughs> just because I always take the piss out of him from Russell Knox. But ultimately, Knox's course record is is brilliant. Uh, and I think this is an event where you do have to put some stock in that. 7th, 14th, 15th, 33rd. He's got another couple of top 28, 5, 28 finishes as well. The 7th, he was actually second going into the final round, was one of those five players, one back of Spieth was a judge to one-shot penalty on the first hole. Never really... He played okay when he came back, but he was he only shot 70. And that's kind of Russell Knox all over. He could be in contention to shoot 68 and not really win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
can he win? It's up for debate. Is he going to threaten the Matt Fitzpatrick top European thing? Probably not. But can he finish in the top eight? Yes, I think he can. Uh, mm-hmm. at 70-1. And one person I didn't bet, but I'm seriously considering it now, Trey Mullinax is 60-1, to 1, right? And I was just sort of talking to this, talking about this on the DraftKings podcast. So he's 4th, 28th, and 31st, his last three starts, uh, completed starts. The 28th is obviously in the Tournament Champions, that's not great, but the 4th was in the Houston Open. When I think about Mullinax, I think oh, it's not really a sort of event that he'll like, but He's been 14th, 22nd, and 28th here. And he's actually a better player now than he probably was in any of those starts. So the weaker field, plus him playing a little bit better than he was those other appearances, I think he's an interesting runner, um, Mullinax. I don't know necessarily that he's got winning upside. I know he's obviously contended, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting one to at least name. And he was dialed in with his um, irons last week, right? Ranking eighth on approach. Yeah. That's another thing to add, yeah. I've yeah. missed that. Yeah. yeah, like 8th, 33rd, 14th, 26th, his last four starts in strokes gain approach. Um, really encouraging. 34th, 21st, 17th in strokes gain tee to green. These will all be better events than probably what he's mm-hmm. playing in this week. Uh, even around a green, like really steady, which is kind of important this week, 26th, 13th, 35th. To me, yeah. there, there, there's quite a lot to like about him. And you look yeah, at... He's been overlooked, for sure. Yeah, I just, I just thought he was a little bit overpriced. Um Again, you wouldn't look at Trey Monlax and think, oh, it's his sort of event. And because there's the Knox, the Taylors, the Ben Griffins, the Lipskys, the also, everything he's a around. Bomber. Yeah, he, he absolutely yeah. puts it out there. So he's probably he's obviously going to be clubbing down. But when you're yeah. uh, hitting your irons as well as that one, not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, Jason's gone with Robbie Shelton at 80 to 1. Uh, on, on him last week. So absolutely fine with that. I haven't really got anything negative to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. other than I wouldn't necessarily think this is his type of event, but I've just spoken about someone else that you would say exactly the same about. So no yeah. reason to see why. Like 80 to 1 is a decent price play, I think, for his uh, upside. Justin Sir, Brad. Yeah, um, Justin Sir. I, I was li- yeah, sorry, go, mate. I didn't like him for this event until I spoke to Matt on the draft, like draft game show, and he, he hates Justin Sir with a passion. And he's picked him this week. Yeah, for some reason he just he just I think it's more he doesn't like people just betting him at twenty eight to one when he's just come on the corn ferry. He's one he's one of those. Um yeah. Yeah. but you look at it, like he's made what, seven or eight straight cuts. Um and twentieth exactly last that. week at sorry finds. Yeah, no. No, exactly. Um and I was I was left disappointed because I, I backed him um at American Express. I really um I really fancied him there. Um, but yeah, he didn't really didn't really get it going. I think he had an all right start, uh, but he had another promising performance last week at Tory Pines. Um, so I'm go- I'm jumping back on him. Um, yeah, he missed his as you said. He's uh, he's on a nice little run, seven consecutive cuts, and uh, he missed his first three cuts when he um, got promoted back to, from yeah. the from the Corn Ferry Tour. So it's it's good. He's sort of he's continuing to find his feet at this level which is nice and uh last week's tied 20th was his best of the season so far um he was much better with his irons ranking 24th on approach um he also showed his love for Pearl and your greens ranking 11th in putting i mean he's from california so it makes a lot of sense that's where his roots is well i think he lives in vegas now but roots of california um he played in this event back in 2020 um, where he missed the cut um, although he played in the Pebble Beach Invitational a year later, I actually backed him in this event because um, <laughs> Skybet Sky um, priced it up and he finished fourth. So I got a nice little place on him and he, he shot two rounds of 64 around Pebble Beach. I think he struggled around Spyglass, but six, two rounds of 64 around Pebble Beach. Um, which is, yeah, it was wild. So it was really encouraging. Um, so that's a bit of hidden format. That was in 2021 um, where he had a pretty good corn ferry tour um campaign um but I, i'm pretty convinced on justin Sarr. i think he's a sleeping giant obviously we all know he's got fantastic pedigree i just fully expect him to sort of keep improving as the year progresses and that's sort of what he's doing at the moment um i do feel like there's a big performance sort of on the horizon and uh it might well be pebble beach this week so I'm, that's what i'm banking on um yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot to like about him, like he's a, he's a high potential player, has had a couple of chances and hasn't done it yet. 
and I think people hold that against people too much. Do you know what I mean? Like Robbie Shelton's had two two win Corn Ferry Tour seasons and still hasn't quite done it on the PJ Tour yet. Like it mm-hmm. just it just takes some people longer than others, and we're spoiled by all these players that just come up and win straight away, and some of them don't. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And you got to remember, it's highly competitive. Like all these, you can make so many cases for all these players. So um, yeah, to to be amongst the top all the time, it's 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 tough going. But I've also backed him um, top twenty as well. I think you can get that ten to three with um, Unibet. Uh, I think that's just a big enough price for me to go. I mean, he got top. He just about got a top twenty last week, so I think he's going to improve on that this week. Someone else that's kind of in this similar. One, he's in the similar price range. Two, he's in the kind of similar form. Joseph Bramlett's made six cuts in a row, and his best finish mm. came last week, 13th. Well, not, but he had a ninth, sorry, at the uh, Houston Open, but he was 13th last week at the Farmers. Uh, and he's just, like, his ball striking has just been decent. And that kind of caught my eye as someone that is a, a California guy. Like, Strokes can approach, he was sixth last week. Uh, T to green, he was eighth. But he was fifth T to green at that Houston Open. Uh, as well, 29th in approach. So just obviously did more off the tee and around the greens that time. Just just starting to think that he can kind of get to where he wants to be. He's, a lot of his stuff has been injury problems, but he was a Stanford graduate as well, I think, Joseph yeah. Bramlett. Um, a lot was expected of him when he came out. Obviously got a couple of opportunities. I think it was at Riviera under kind of Tiger's exemptions and things like that. Um, you know, I just think, to me, he's 34 years old and he hasn't really done it, but he won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship against Trey Mullinex by four strokes just two years ago. Um, got himself back here again. I don't think the price is great, to be honest. I don't know how much winning upside there is in him, even at 90-1, to 1, but I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on for kind of the top 20, top even top 40 market because... He's going to be mm-hmm. odds against, and I think he's got a solid game. Yeah, no, he has, and the numbers from last week are really good. And he's he showed up here in the past, hasn't he? I think he has. Yeah, he's finished eighteenth. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I think he's a uh, he's got a bad shout for this week. Yeah, he's he's got two miss he's got two missed cuts. Although I think one of those um may, yeah one of those was in the US Open in twenty nineteen, and then he's got an eighteenth for sixty third in one missed cut in this event. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's very very hard to predict what he's going to do, but. There's a skill level there to him that I do like, uh, and yeah. it's, a, it's a weaker field than probably ever. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. The yeah. other, the other one that Jason's put up, and he's he's kind of got into this bloke a little bit. And I'm not going to say it's like his shiny new toy, <laughs> but I do like it. It's Harrison Endicott. So Harrison Endicott is 300 to one. Um, I think it's eight places with Skybet. And the reason I like Endicott, and I'm presuming is why Jason likes Endicott as well, he was 12th at the Fours Net, which is in California, 10th at the Bermuda Championship, which is kind of that weaker field, coastal type thing, mm-hmm. 18th when he returned home at the Australian PGA, and then he was 22nd at the American Express as well, which is, again, three-quarter rotation California. So kind of his best finishes have come in events that are very, very similar to what you want from him here. Yes. He did He did win on the Corn Ferry last year. Strikes me as someone that could play well in this event. He's like 640 to 1 on Betfair, bro. Like, yeah, that's, that's really insulting. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he can win, and that's why he's 640 to 1. I think he's much more a top 8, top 20, whatever type of player. But I was, I was surprised that he was kind of 300 to 1. When you, when you think about some of the other names that are in these prices like some people just don't move like Cameron Percy's 300 to 1 mm. um, MJ Duffy yeah, like, yeah, I was just about to say MJ yeah, Duffy like, yeah. people still think he's Monday qualifying um, yeah. Henrik Norlander <laughs> hasn't played very well like th- there's plenty of people here that don't really have any reason and then Endicott's had these kind of spike performances in suitable events uh, I thought it was interesting certainly is yeah and they're probably do you know what they put, they might have looked at that like missed cut last week and I think he probably shot 80 in terrible conditions on his debut around Tory Pines you know yeah. and it's like it's, you can forgive that quite easily so yeah it's definitely helped his price this week yeah I like it and that when he when someone is 350 300 to 1 you, you know you can get a decent top 20 price about them so. yeah and you and you just don't 
care at that price. Like he's six hundred and forty to one on Betfair. We just want to oh, put a couple of quid on him just, no, to just cover. Have, you just have pennies on, right? Yeah, yeah pound or you, two pounds. Yeah, you, just let it run. Just to do it for the crap. The other person who caught my eye, and I think you've mentioned him a couple of times on the podcast, Brent mm. Grant's five hundred to one. Oh yes. Uh, and I'm pretty sure when I looked, he played okay. It might even have been last week. Um, oh, he, he he was really good last week, and yeah. then he fell, he fell away. So he, he led like after round one, didn't he? Yeah, I North. do feel like yeah, he's he's an absolute monster off the tee. He hits yeah. a really good ball striker. He was like in the top top ten or twenty ball strikers last year in the Corn Ferry Tour. He uh, he won for me as well at a big price um, from Florida. Yeah. So I think Florida swing could be good. Interesting for Brent Grant. Keep an eye on him there. Um, is, it, is it a case of just like last week was perfect for him because I feel like it, I, I think it was perfect for him. A bit like how I sort of took Vincent Norman as well. You know they haven't really been showing much, but then uh, you know they, they can just let it rip and it sort of um, helped them. I believe. Yeah, I just like, I looked at a couple of his other results and he like played well at the RSM and he played well in, or made the cut at least in Bermuda. Yeah, like, he made sh- the cut, yeah. Strikes me as someone if he's if he's good in California, which last week suggests that he is, and then he's played okay in these uh, you know weaker field multi-course events, could just be an interest. But well, I guess yeah. if it is the if it is mainly the driver, and, I, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole him because I don't know his, obviously his game well enough. But just going off what, how I've been following him on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, he's a very strong ball striker who hits it a long way um, and puts best on Bermuda greens. Uh, yeah. so that's sort of what I've got on him. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I mean, again, like, I didn't really know too much about him. I just noticed that he was he'd played well last week and he was five hundred one. I thought it was pretty good. And he rated out seventeenth in putting average last week. So there you go. What do you need? The other one that I think's returning from the dead a little bit is Harry Higgs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think he's he coming back to life a bit. Thing. Um, he's finished 18th here in the past, which is absolutely fine. I'm just talking about what Joseph Bramlett did. Uh, and he was actually fourth after round one, eighth after round two. Played okay last week, nothing special. Uh, ball striking's not there at the moment. But a couple of made cuts. Like He's made four of his last five cuts now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 32nd at Mayakoba when he was actually sixth at the halfway and 11th after 54 holes. He was 21st at RSM when he was actually the, the halfway leader. Then he was 18th for the Amex, where he was actually fifth going into the final round. And then he's had a fast start again last week, 66 to open. Obviously, yeah. 77 on the south course, and it never really got much better than that afterwards. But in this, I think Harry Higgs is the type of person that would absolutely love being in a pro am. Would absolutely be yeah, fine with it taking. Giggle, yeah, absolutely fine with it taking six rounds, six hours to get round, uh, and. No, it just suits him with a few wedges and short irons in his hand. So, agree. Harry Hicks is going to go on my card. Yeah, um, I like it. And, I mean, the Phoenix Open's coming up soon as well, so we might be able to see some tees. <laughs> yeah, we might, we might see that again. Um, I, I don't know if I'm mentally prepared for that again or not, but we, we'll soon find out. <laughs> Your man, Joel Damon, might be there. Uh, right well. I, suppose, I suppose Joel Damon might have to pull the I'm a dad now card. Um, yeah. so <laughs> took, it, took it out of that one but if he doesn't I mean I'm all for it if they can do it again um, absolutely it great I wonder what he's like because I imagine he's on I'm pretty sure he's on that Netflix documentary isn't he yeah I imagine so I, I actually don't know fully if he is or not but we'll have to do a little recap of that on a on a Monday for yeah, we'll just have five minutes on each episode I'm hoping they release it like once a week but I imagine they'll just do it to Netflix and put them all um, all on straight away but we shall see I think that's it Brad I think yep. both of the podcasts tonight I've said that I'm going to make them shorter because my voice and I haven't so you know it is what it is I think we've um, done well I haven't had a cough between us well maybe I know I, I did have a couple I was, but, you I was know, expecting it, a lot worse yeah I was expecting to die no, so I got it out just before we uh, started recording <laughs> yeah we heard plenty between us but um, <laughs> yeah not on not on the podcast um just a little note, just to say, obviously, iHeartRadio for the podcast, great for us, uh, getting that kind of exposure. And I would love to say that if you do listen to the best in podcast, do enjoy it, have benefited from the winners we've had back to back the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, we will we'll continue that, and it's not just a you know full storm. Uh, please just leave a review. Like we haven't had a review on the podcast for months, and I know that's not because people are not enjoying it, because people message us all the time and say, you know, really enjoy what you do. Can you answer this question? Really enjoy listening to the podcast. What time is it going to be out tonight? Like someone messaged me earlier. 
oh god i'm glad the podcast is on like yeah. it, we, we hear about it i'm sure brad you get the messages as well yeah, yeah, um yeah. you know so turn those messages into reviews for us boost us up those charts because that is the podcast currency should we do our picks let's do our picks so for the Razal Kaiman Championship, I've gone eighteen to one Nikolai Hoygaard, thirty-five to one Thorbjorn Olesen, sixty to one Johannes Beerman, and sixty-six to one Connor Simi. Jason has gone eighteen to one Victor Perez, thirty to one Callum Shinkwin, ninety to one Tapio Pulkinen, hundred and ten to one Julian Guerrier, and one hundred and fifty to one Jack Senior. Brad, your picks in the Razal Karma Championship, please. I've gone Langask, 40 to 1. I've gone Jiong Wien Ko. I think he's 150 to 1 or 160 to 1 with uh, lesser places. And then I've gone for the big hit in German, Nick Backham at 250 to 1. Massive price for Skybet. Two yeah, places. absolutely. Going over to Pebble Beach, I'm on Joel Damon. I think 35, 40 to 1, best price. Probably take the eight places, 35 to 1, given his uh, little layoff. Uh, Nick Taylor, I think, is my favourite bet of the week, 66 to 1, eight places. Russell Knox, same price, 66 to 1, eight places. Um, and I am going to go with um, Trey Mullinax, who is, what price is he? He is 60 to 1. And I'm also going to go with Harry Higgs. Who who did what did I say he was? He was hundred and something to one, wasn't he? Harry uh, Higgs. Harry Higgs. Harry Higgs. There he is. He is two hundred to one best price. One hundred seventy-five to one eight places. Uh, Harry Higgs. Jason has gone for twenty-two to one. Seamus Power. Forty-five to one. Alex Smalley. Eighty to one. Robbie Shelton. Three hundred to one. Harrison Endicott. Uh, Brad, your picks, please. I've gone uh, same as Power at twenty-two to one. Sky Bet eight places the best price you can get, and Smalley Alex Smalley at forty-five to one. Um, that's with Bet three six five each way extra. I've gone for Nick Taylor with you, uh, sixty-six to one eight places Sky Bet. I've also backed him top Canadian at seven to four best price at Betway, and I've gone for Justin Sir. 80 to 1 Unibet, six places. I've also backed in um, top 20 of Unibet. I think that's the best price, 10 to 3. Yeah, I think there's a good eclectic mix of golfers in both of those events. Um, we've all kind of got different ways of going around the events as well, which I like. Uh, a couple of crossover picks, but that's to be expected uh, in limited well. fields. Um, yeah, great. Absolutely love it. Um, guys, let's hope for three weeks in a row now of winners. Uh, can't promise them every week. It's, it's very difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. But let's keep this run going, Brad. Yeah, let's do it.